as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. have moved silently among us knowing that in the end there could be only one but now in this world in this time i don't care about the game i don't care about the rules a supernatural enemy has grown too strong for any immortal to face alone he surrounded himself by immortals loyal only to him there has never been a more powerful immortal has always been a fight for one. Neither one of us can beat him alone. Has now become a battle two must face. You and Connor are like brothers. Together. Yeah! One of us has to die now, and you know it. Highlander Endgame. Duncan MacLeod, the Highlander. Born in 1592 in the Highlands of Scotland, and he is still alive. He is immortal. For 400 years, he's been a warrior, a lover, a wanderer, constantly facing other immortals in combat to the death. The winner takes his enemy's head, and with it, his power. I am a watcher, part of a secret society of men and women who observe and record, but never interfere. We know the truth about immortals. In the end, there can be only one. May it be Duncan MacLeod, the Highlander. Welcome back to the show. We covering another cult franchise and we're all going to be just tackling the complex and uh, cult franchise that is Highlander. It spawned five movies, two TV shows, one cartoon show, and one animated movie and two comics. So yeah, we'll just circle around on the ups and downs of this unpredictable franchise. So the new timers go first. So uh, Paul, what was your introduction to uh, the McClouds? 
Uh, well, my introduction was uh, probably the first movie, uh, which oddly enough, I forgot about until some uh, friend of mine back in uh, uh, junior high introduced me to the uh, TV show. Okay. Uh, by watching the uh, the gathering and then the, the lead into that. Nice. So you saw the pilot movies, so you pretty much were ready for anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about yourself, Travis? I think the the first thing I can remember from seeing Highlander, uh, I was at a friend's house. We were staying up late. I think it was probably, I, mean, I was probably nine or 10 and the, the TV series came on. And I remember seeing the, the intro and just seeing this guy walking down an alley and suddenly he's holding up a sword and he, <laughs> he swings the sword and there, you know, this, this monologue, He's talking about being uh, immortal and and just being like, what what is this? You know, um, so the TV show sucked me in. You know, it's I was a kid and there was sword play, so that's really all that was required. And then, you know, eventually I got around to to seeing the movie. Probably, um, you know, a few years later, but uh, yeah. So the TV show got me into it first, and then I made my way through the movie, the first movie. Then you know all the sequels and so yeah very nice and mac when did you become one with the immortals (laughs) well okay this is kind of fun when i was in high school my best friend at the time he he was really into like he got the um what it could be so like he would tell me all about the the movie highlander and the unfortunate <laughs> sequel. But now I hadn't seen it, but he would go on and on and on about it because he saw the possibility of what it could be. Like the whole mythology of Highlander is wonderful. And, you know, he, he would tell me, oh, there's this scene and there's that scene. And what, what do you think would happen if, you know, somebody cut off an immortal's head that wasn't immortal and blah, blah. And how does that work? So I was familiar with, beats of the movie without seeing it and then 92 rolls around and the first season of the television show starts and I didn't hop on board right away um I maybe uh, a girl I was dating at the time we were talking on the phone back when it, you know you had to have the phone plugged into the wall and <laughs> we're sitting there watching you know she goes oh turn on Highlander the TV show. Well, it was one of the early episodes from the first season. And I thought, okay, well, I love the premise from what I've understood. But if you remember, Duncan McLeod during the first season was a pretty boy. He had had an earring and he always had his shirt off. And it was very much a woman's novel cover kind of, you know, He's con- has to always take his shirt off and say the macho lines. And I remember going, I don't, I, I, I don't like this. This is too, come on, give me, give me some. And also, if you remember during the first season, the sword fighting wasn't all that great. As from the second season on, it became spectacular. And, and, you know, it, it'd be like the difference between, um, Star Wars, the original trilogy sword fights, and the prequels. 
the prequel sword fights are much better. You're flipping a sword around and, you know. So my first introduction was watching that and going, oh, man, they better change some stuff. Well, long story short, I kept watching it and then eventually bought the movie when it came out on VHS. Remember, they'd come out with like all the different versions of, hey, it's the Renegade version or it's the director's right. cut. Director's cut. Yeah, and I'm like, well, I guess I gotta buy that movie again. Well, what, there's three minutes of extra scene? Okay. There's like five versions of part two, and it's still not, not, no version makes sense, even though. (laughs) So, you know, I I got hooked on the series like everybody else, and then saw the movie, and then just, when it becomes part of you, well, now I have to buy everything. I have to buy every movie. I have to buy, you know, I have to get. All the uh, when they came out on VHS, all the seasons. Well, I guess I'm buying that, you know. And then, of course, now DVDs. So, you know, then I had to sell. But you, I don't know about you guys, but did you guys buy the the seasons on VHS? Because you would get like each, <laughs> each volume filled out one long picture from the season. I didn't, but I was, I was so tempted, and I saw those. They were always listed at half price books and other places. And I even saw a pretty cool VHS uh, commercial. <laughs> it was like when the whole collection was being released. It was like, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> it just, because, and they were expensive, but they were sold at just about every online DVD outlet. They had like, you know, you could join a club and you could get a discounted like v- VHS statement. Like you say, they had those covers that lines up to one giant photo of him posing with the sword, you know, yeah. doing a quick name. Yeah. I, I, almost, I, almost, I almost didn't sell them because they're so uh, beautiful. Know, I, I, I used to watch the VHSs, but man, the, the, you're right. The boxes were just great. And it's like, you know, it'll, it'll make me feel better that I'm buying them again for a second time on DVD if I sell off. You know? Did they have two episodes on one tape or was it one at a time? No, no, two. You're okay. right. Yeah. <laughs> I always remember the commercials that would air, you know, during the the show that would be hawking the, the watcher pin that you could buy or a watcher ring or, you know, merchandise, really? you know, stuff <laughs> from the show, you know, from well, the show. I'll, I'll tell you, some of the best merchandise I've ever seen have been from them. Yeah. Uh, I wish I still had the catalogs because they would send yeah. you a catalog every month and yep. they would have Duncan's hair ties. I used to have longer hair, and I thought I'm getting out of that age now where I should have long hair. Uh, I don't think I need the hair ties, but kind of want them. Or you, you know, if you were daring enough to get a jacket, I'm like yeah. oh, you could get a right. whole or a leather jacket that says Highlander. Well, what happened was from me buying all the seer, uh, the the seasons, they would just send you crap. They're like, look, we have an extra large T-shirt that nobody's buying. Look, here you go. Or one Christmas, I'm opening something. My mother goes, here, Duncan McLeod sent you something. And I, <laughs> oh, and I, nice. open, and I open it up, and it's a Highlander. Um, essentially, it, it's like a, a, a flight jacket, but only it's baseball buttons. You know what I mean? I don't want to say a baseball jacket. Because baseball has the different color sleeves, but it was like a it's a lightweight uh flight jacket that instead of a zipper, it's buttons, and on the chest and on the back it has Highlander with the sword and i it, I still have it in in primo condition. I wear it 
but I make sure I'm not going to lean against anything dirty because nothing's happening to that jacket. You know. Yeah, and so uh, it, you know, that kind of that brings me to pretty much yeah. Uh, but just seeing how these producers they they both had left us, uh, Davis Panzer, it, it seemed like it's kind of just what I got kind of got from this franchise because I'm kind of like you guys. I just I got introduced to it all kind of simultaneously at once. The show was much like Star Trek Next Gen and Deep Space Nine. It was a first run syndication, so Fox and Universal affiliates would air it. I saw a bunch of episodes on Sci-Fi Channel. I had seen all the movies edited on TV, and it, I just kind of had a love-hate relationship with them because you know they all had cheesy moments, and yet they had just such creative ideas. And yet the first one was just the more agreeable one because it, you know, uh, Ramirez. You know, you, you know, I was going to see it regardless because I was a huge Sean Connery fan. But it's like it was so cool how he kind of had a cool his report with Lambert was kind of. I would liken to kind of Obi-Wan and Luke Skywalker. It just had that kind of mystical kind of feel. Yeah. Yeah. And just the whole, just again, uh, and I see a bit of Highlander in everything, whether it's comic book adaptations of something like Blade or even Wolverine. And and then you got more recent movies like The Old Guard with Charlie Theron. Yeah. The one with Jet Li. Everyone loved to do that whole kind of mixing some time travel with, someone who can regenerate and has to go through plenty of other barriers but there's plenty of bad knockoffs as well but yeah it was just one of those it you know it didn't make any money but it made it back you know and became a big hit on vhs and cable tv and i just really feel like these producers they you know they were nice guys and everything but they just didn't seem to realize what they really had and i mean you get to part two where you know all of a sudden they're aliens from another planet that was supposed to be in the first movie. I don't, I could care less about whether or not they're aliens or not. It was just, they had all these ideas and they just seemed to lack just basic screenwriting skills. They would keep hiring people, rejecting their ideas and then just mashing it together. And it's just like, I I feel like they in many ways should have just stood back, just let the creative forces do their thing, you know? Well, you know, there's actually great stories of why some of these movies went off the rails and it wasn't necessarily the producer's fault. Like the right. first, like, you know, if you really want to come down to it in a nutshell, the first movie lays the groundwork, but Connor McLeod is your basic vanilla, you know, average uh, blueprint for what an immortal is. Right. Because he, right. you got the average guy, he has a sword under his, you know, coat, shut up. But there's nothing really that makes him dashing. He's the Joe Blow of the Immortals, which is fine, and that's not a complaint. It makes him easily likable. But it's not until you get into Duncan McLeod where you go, okay, look at now you can dig deep. I always love. That a se- I always prefer a television series over a movie because pacing's better. You have more time to tell character stories, whereas a movie, you get two hours. And originally, with the television show, that was supposed to be a Connor McCloud show. Right. right. When, when they were originally doing it, but he wanted too much money. So they're like, huh, okay, well, maybe you'll come in for the pilot. Yeah, That's, all right, I'll do that. Right. You know? 
Let's and cover then, your thank, cousin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank God. Thank God, because Duncan is such a, a much more layered inter once they got past the pretty boy stuff, and it, like I said, I could always tell spoilers, by the way, for people who don't know the series. As soon as Tessa died, and it's not because she died, but with Richie, the moment that that all happened on episode four, season two, things got better. Things, you weren't tied down where you had to have the girl in distress. You got He got to be like Batman to Richie's Robin, you know, et cetera, et cetera. If they had stayed with Connor, I really don't know. He still would have been running the antique store. You know, Duncan buys a dojo, and I'm like, there you go. That's more him. And the that, whole twist later on that Richie's been a Highlander, but Duncan's been keeping that info from him because he wants him to be ready, you know, not get too yeah. cocky. <laughs> and that also added to the mythology because they're like, whoa, wait a minute. An immortal can tell that somebody might become immortal. They have the seed in them. Whoa. Right. You know, I, I actually always kind of seen that part for the first movie. That's why... Uh, uh, Kurgan? The Kurgan was uh, uh, always after... Uh, McLeod there. Yeah, that's yeah. such a good point because it seemed like, I mean, like, like again, you guys have pretty much gotten into the thick of it. Where again, there's just some stuff that's the show just was an instant sensation in and of itself without relying upon the movie formula because it was all about, you know, it just making use of its TV format and there's a mystery, there's some supernatural stuff, and then, uh, you know then there's a cool kind of moral to the story where, you know, Duncan tries to be the bigger man and gets himself into hard to figure out situations. And I mean, and sometimes he's wrong. I mean, there's a lot of times where he's a hypocrite. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's willing to almost become an anti-hero, you know, or a villain. And there's other times where he has to reluctantly take someone's head. And this whole premise of, again, they're warriors who they have to proceed, even if they're reluctant warriors. And, like like you say, I mean it. Uh, you know the the style at the beginning was kind of static, but it was on the right track because it just knew what it wanted to be. And by season two, there's like okay, so now we got to have more consequences. We got to have more just uneasy scenarios. They got to get out of. Let's have Duncan encounter a town of deadly bikers. Let's have him encounter <laughs> some white supremacists. Let's have him meet some just vicious crooked cops. You know, let's or let's have some other immortals who are totally breaking all the rules and getting everyone's head. And now he has to end this guy, but he's got, and it's complicated being an immortal. Cause yeah, it's like they get basically all those immortals kills to their name, as well as like you say, they get all these power, but I, I loved even, I think it's like season four, he has trouble channeling the quickening. So he's basically like a dead, you know, half working energizer battery, you know, it's just, he's going insane <laughs> really like as a result. I really like in the first season that it's not just an immortal of the week enemy. You know, sometimes it is just, um, I think of the uh, uh, episodes called Bad Day and Building A. Oh, he's yeah, gonna, Andrew Diva. He's just dealing yeah. with a, he's just dealing with a, a hostage situation. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Well, um, I, just, I just watched uh, Revenge of the Sword today. And that's another one where there's not an immortal in sight. Yeah. No, not at all. But <laughs> I just watched it with my son and, you know, and, and I was like, look, you you forget, like if it's written well, you don't need another immortal. Yeah. 
I think the first season did that a lot. And then by season three, you're getting, or, you know, part, part of the way through season two, you're getting a lot of the watcher stuff. And especially in season three, a lot of that. And Thomas uh, J. Wright, you know, he later went on to do a lot of sh- giant shows like X-Files, Millennium and NCIS. But I think if anything, he just got the visual style is like for a lower budgeted, you know, Canadian film show. So if anything, you know, go for a suspenseful mood, have a giant, you know, cut to a quick close up, uh, make the audience feel the energy in the room, you know, instead of relying on an effects shot, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's well, another really cool thing about the show is that it was the first dollars, show man. that I can remember, you know, going from clearly, you know, Canada to Paris, you know, and, and, and totally. you can tell that they're <laughs> filming in Paris, you know, some of the actors um, and, are French Canadian, you know, so yeah. their their accents stumble, but that's part of their, you know, where they're based and everything. So you, you have to get yeah. yourself used to that at first. You know? <laughs> Very yeah. true. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny too because you you know that they were trying to find their feet because I remember the producer saying we wanted to kind of like have rock stars throughout the whole thing ever since. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And then you go, yeah, but you don't, you don't need to do that. Like, yeah, you know, you, you, the way I try and sell people on the series is, it's not so much about the sword fighting or the quickening. It's about, yeah, I could win, or I know I could win against you, but do I deserve to win against you? Because, hundred years ago, I kind of killed your family, or you know, whatever the case may be. So it's always been the moral dilemma of the story. That's what really, I think, keeps it iconic. Because quickenings, yeah, okay, special effects, great. Sword fights, I'm a sucker for. But at the end of the day, you want to go, oh, boy, yeah, that is a tough call. Like, oh, yeah. Right? You know, I'm thinking of one episode in particular where Mythos is trying to, to – Mythos and Amanda are trying to protect Duncan, who goes, I kind of had this coming. This guy is, <laughs> you know, he's been after me for hundreds of years. They're like, yeah, but you could kill him, can't you? Yeah, but I don't know if I should. You know, and I'm thinking, wow, he's really he's willing to take the lopping of the head because he feels guilty. Uh, totally. And even when you know it's going to be an inevitable sword fight, there's so much. They do a good job of just having something in between getting from point A to point B. There's always like some other layer to it. I love how that makes it stand out and. They're, they're just good with mystery in general. It's like there's always going to be something just compared to other shows, which just so often, you know, you go half a season, you're like, I want to skip all of these episodes. They just don't have any rewatchability to me. It's like even the weakest episodes still have a pretty cool idea. So they're definitely like earlier Twilight Zone or Star Trek where you're just like, okay, so maybe the acting isn't the best here, but there's some cool, there's a gripping kind of account as opposed to, you know, like you said, when they started in season one, they kind of wanted to just have a Kurgan every week. It's like, no, 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 you, you, you can't get Clancy Brown every week. You just, yeah. you just can't. So let's, let's go with, okay, there's a dead, you know, record producer and it connects to this. There's a bunch of other, you know, like, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the Andrew Devoff uh, character, the, you know, the war criminal. I love how he comes in later as a, immortal who thinks he's a god you know it's like that's so cool how they get all these other immortals who kind of do their own shtick and i mean little god yeah i, I know the episode you're talking about 
but but I mean even like, like you say there's a bunch of other great X-Files and Stargate actors before they were famous in here I, I love Tracy Scoggins from Babylon 5 and Lois and Clark's arc where she's like a, a mortal witch and I mean Methos by the time you get to Methos and Amanda is like Amanda brought a whole viewpoint on you know well Joe Joe Methos and occasionally Amanda if Ma Amanda was there every week you go all right too much you know, like like you want to see her, and it's a it's a treat when you do. Wow, this is gonna be fun. But man, like she's hard to tolerate. You know what I mean? If, yeah. If she, every week you just be like, Duncan would be rolling his eyes too much. The I problem mean, though, was... when they got rid of Tessa, though, the the show became a boys' club. You know, and then of course they they would sprinkle Amanda in, but you know they they that is one problem probably one. Did they have some weird scheduling issues? Because it seemed like some days is like they wanted certain actors, but they couldn't get them. And like you say, yes, I mean, you don't want to see Amanda do a heist every week. And sometimes Methos can be a hypocrite too. It just kind of be a little self-indulgent of himself to where you're like, come on, dude. <laughs> you come a long way. You got to evolve a bit. But I mean, even Joe, I mean, sometimes he wants to just sing or reminisce about depressing stuff in his life. You're like, oh man, that's a little heavy. Let's let's space that out for like the last five minutes. <laughs> but you know, it's it's the quieter moments that really I think make a difference in a good series. Like, yeah, all right, you have your story beats that you have to hit, but when they would have them sit down at the bar, Mythos, Joe even if it's just the two of them, Duncan may not even be there, but to have these conversations, like, you know, uh, one, one that always stands out that I remember my friend going, Oh, so that's what could happen when he goes, has anybody ever broken the rule about killing somebody on Holy ground? And Joe says, yeah, there was this guy. He <laughs> was in Pompeii. And you're like, oh, yeah, that, you know? that was a great reference. Uh, yeah, they, they do get very witty with the history and I, I love also i mean how he has his group of the watchers and how they're also not playing by the rules and they are kind of like a holy order and they get into that predicament too where they're like okay every time, listen every time we, we watch the, the the credits i am a watcher i observe <laughs> more, but ne never interfere we go yeah, sure. <laughs> sure you are. <laughs> nothing but interfere. Thank God, though. It's funny, uh, re-watching kind of all the Highlander content that I, I have in the last you know, month or two, kind of leading up to this, like one thing that they they always harp on is the, you know, the quickening gives you another immortal's power. And I sort of think about it, and they always say that, but they never really mm -hmm. explain what that means. Is it does that mean memories? Does that mean physical abilities? You know, it's just always a vague like I consume their power, and you know, yeah. What does that mean? You're right because you know I always took it as okay. Your 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 skills get a little better, I would guess, but you're right. They never did officially give us a definition so there are yeah. times you go oh that's why sure because of yeah. that other times you go well that makes no sense then but remember not to well i guess we can jump back and forth to the movies yeah uh what well, i was gonna say before speaking of the movies the second movie was a pile of crap because one they jumped to the future which is a mistake for anything two 
it the movie itself, just like with um, the source, had gotten taken out of the producer's hands. And it's a weird story, but basically the people of the country ended up mm -hmm. owning it and changed it. The Mexican so, producers were uh, basically just not liking how they were so behind schedule. The actors were very disillusioned because the plot wasn't had been rewritten so many times. And it, like you say, it's just a frustrating watch because, you know, you look at all the edits they made on home video and it's like, could someone just incorporate like a voiceover or something that just makes this make better sense instead of just, like you say, just the, the time warp disillusions the audience. And then you get to, again, like this total recall-ish type cyberpunk-like future. And you're like, well, that's interesting, but now that it doesn't have anything to do with what the show's doing and other stuff is like, this is like an alternate reality. This is like it, a bad dream. Yeah, right actually. Away, people don't even acknowledge the second one typically. And on the third one, what I was going to say was, remember with oh, the wizard? Man. Remember with the wizard? Well, when he chops his head off, now all of a sudden, Kane has the power of the wizard. Okay. Well, then if Connor wins against him, doesn't he have wizard powers now? Like it, you, you think know, so, yeah, but he didn't. But they never like, yeah. So the, to what you were saying, they never define specifically what getting a quickening means. Yeah, other than, other than the power explanations, it's just like it's left too much to the viewer's imagination, and it just makes you wonder: Did the creators really know what it meant, or did they just fear that they might contradict some other creative uh, who was going to be involved later on? It's just like, just. Put a little, just give us a little more. We want, we we really want to know. You know, <laughs> also the mythology is pretty solid. I mean, I always oh, yeah. love, you know, with with the Watchers and with the Immortals and the, the mythology is one of the more solid mythologies out of any series. You know, which is big for me. And yeah. it, 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 you can't say they didn't try different things, and you know, they 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 tried to really. I think at that point, you know. Uh, after the movies were coming out, I think at that point they just wanted to, you know, they wanted to provide a little something for everybody. Like you said, it's like there's romance for the girls, there's comic book adventure for the guys, there's, and there's just mystery for genre enthusiasts who just want a fun fantasy escapade and want to visit this world every week when they catch it on TV and set the tape to record, you know. So. And, and I really can't picture. Poor Adrian Paul. I, I I love him. Anything I see him in, I typically enjoy, but he was made for that role. Like, I can't oh, yeah. think anybody else has Duncan McLeod. He was a B-movie actor who just loved it. He He's one of those guys that actually made sure he spoke up and said, look, it, I kind of want to have a say on this character. And they went, yeah, okay. You know, even with the sword fighting, he would chime in and go, I have ideas. You know, because he's studying martial arts. His uh, karate instructor and martial arts instructor was on uh, the the Revenge of the Sword episode I just saw and Endgame. He played really? The, oh yeah, he was member the gang of immortals that were uh, in Connor's apartment that fight Duncan all at the same time. Oh really? Okay, so he's one of those guys. Yep. His name's Vernon something, but he doesn't look like a Vernon. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, the fact that he, they allowed him to have, have a say and grow his character 
from his point of view, even a lot of his lines, he would go, cause I've seen the footage where he's like, can I just play this out? And if you like it, you keep it. And they would let him just kind of ad lib. <laughs> I think it's important when you have a long running show, like the actors do generally, they, they know their characters, you know, sometimes better than the writers do. So yeah, I mean, that's, it's always good to let your. And I'll give them credit. I mean, actors. they were writing books that tied into the show around the same time it was on the air. So, I mean, that's a pretty cool feat because there were so many other franchises that were doing that and they just weren't making the book sales. So it just made you wonder is like how many of them were, you know, abandoned scripts versus yeah. hiring mm-hmm. some pretty talented writers to take on a pre-established material. But yeah, I mean, like you say, I mean, uh, I definitely, so I'll, I'll allow you guys to rank this near the end, but yeah, it's like, uh, I really, I, what was your take on Endgame? I adore Endgame. For me, I mean, a lot of people that if you're looking for pure connects to Highlander as far as the mythology and blah, 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 you go, okay, so the first movie, obviously, you know, other than the fact that you have to assume that somebody walked up to Connor afterwards and goes, that wasn't the final quickening. Dude. <laughs> you know, you turn, as a matter of fact, Joe in the, in the second, um, season says to duncan oh yeah here's look at the computer there's your cousin connor he took down a big one kurgan we didn't know if anybody was going to be able to stop him he was a major player and then they move on so you go there it is they just corrected the movie so a lot of people go first movie obviously the television series um the third movie is debatable if depending on how much you want to nitpick but then Endgame is a great wrap-up to the television series. And then you quickly ignore the source because the source, <laughs> the source, source never even made it to theater. I remember it came out on a Saturday. No, it, it, it was like a Friday night. So it was a Saturday morning at like three o'clock in the morning on the sci-fi channel because yep. into the theater because it became, it was supposed to originally be a three movie trilogy Really? Uh huh. Where Connor oh, meets Joe. Did not know that. Connor, Mythos, and Joe are on a search to find out where the heck immortals finally come from. What was oh the? Where did it all start? Why are they foundlings? All of this. They, so they were going to. All take of a sudden, them. they can make women pregnant despite right. being immortal. So, thing that so, doesn't happen. In- <laughs> yeah, and so they started to make this movie, and it was promised to be a trilogy. And then the same thing happened where it got taken out of the producer's hands and they just went, you know what? Stop what you have. We're going to piecemeal this together just to crap something out. And as you can tell, that's exactly what happened because <laughs> that sword fights were good. That yeah. chalky guy with the fast forwarding, what was that? Yeah. Like you took all the soul out of what Highlander is. Uh, you you know, should have seen it. I, I know it got like released like overseas in like Russia. And so some back in the early days of the internet in the 2000s, some people had a screener and they were like very unimpressed with it. They're like, just stick with in game and you know, your VHS yes. tapes. But uh, I, I, my uncle was waiting the premiere. I couldn't watch it cause I had homework, but it's so funny. I'm just, he's a very forgiving, hardcore, just like sci-fi fantasy guy, some occasional horror and action, but yeah, it was one of those, like he was looking forward to that. And uh, he knows I did not care for part two and three and, you know, part four was kind of our guilty pleasure. Cause you know, despite 
again, the studio interfering and doing some music video mashups, it's a fun plot and cool fights yeah. and storyline. But like you say, is like you get to the source and you're just like, okay, so there's some decent camera work. What's going on here? Why is there a constant Matrix style, you know, fight scene every ten minutes with yeah. electronic music? And it was the style all the times. I lost right. with the first scene, and they go the near future. And he's <laughs> yeah. like, the the near future yeah, is like done. where no, not part of this. No. So it's yeah, back just, to part two. Is like, why are we going back to the apocalyptic futures? It's not yeah. interesting. It doesn't yeah. need it. <laughs> so for me, Endgame is the final highlander thing because we you know you, you get more connor and duncan which i love that dynamic yeah you know and and i would and i'm sure you guys have seen the, the trailer of what it almost was as much as i love endgame because they did fix it where it be it goes right from the television series into that movie happy everybody's happy wrap it up move on when you see what the trailer was for what it almost was, it was almost Highlander 2 all over again with portals and doubles of uh, the bad guys and, and you know, breaking Ooh. souls. And, oh, it was terrible. If you guys haven't gone to YouTube and looked that up, by all means. Oh, that's bad. I didn't know that existed. Oh, and... it, it would have been terrible. Thank God they made... Oh, I'll tell you this, too. I saw it twice in the theater. I saw it on the first day. And then a few months later, I coincidentally went with somebody else to see it on the last day in the theater, which I never do. I don't see movies twice in the theater. And so I knew it pretty well. And then when it came out on DVD, they give you two versions, but neither of the versions are exactly what was in the theater. I heard about that, how there was a lot of unfinished screen screen cuts and they, they were like, hey, you know, we want to fix what the Weinsteins did to this, you know, Dimension Films release. We got to make it look professional again and it's still good yeah okay. no it's good but it it's still such a shame that they you know they had to have a cat's mishap before cats was a, was a thing you know where it's like mm -hmm. oops we goofed up but you know it made it into the theater so yeah. I, I think it was also just a sign of the times in the 2000s what studios would let slide versus which ones didn't care and you were faced with you know reversible errors that didn't make it to the home video cut but no that that's a good point because i mean this is kind of a in a ways i feel like this franchise was kind of cursed in a way kind of like you know the various immortals you know this is like you had people who knew kind of what they wanted to make and they just kept you know again getting interference from investors or davis and panzer kind of scratching their heads and just saying just wing it you know just just get it done and this is like well that this is a cool idea and you guys should really treat this with some serious care you know <laughs> Adrian Paul like I said Adrian Paul is to credit for most of the consistency because he has fought to go no no I know this and I know our mythology please don't throw in you know this boob shot because you can that like that type of thing yeah it was kind of wild how you know you had an R-rated franchise and then it you know, even part three was like rated PG-13 in theaters and then had an R-rated cut, which didn't fix anything. It just added a bunch of R-rated content. It's just like, but yeah, the show was generally PG-13-ish, you know, pretty acceptable. Mm -hmm. There's only a few episodes that I think are violent that I wouldn't want to show a kid, but yeah. I remember being on the phone with the woman when I was trying to order the first season on VHS 
and you call the you know 1-800 Highlander or whatever they call it and the woman's trying to sell me on it even though I'm buying it and <laughs> I go well you know how I haven't seen all of the first season oh well it gets steamy it gets what steamy. <laughs> oh my god and I go, yeah that's not selling me on this I'm a guy I don't I don't need to see naked Adrian Paul and he's not in it but remember in the pilot it shows them in the shower yeah and it gets close i mean you almost see some some you know it was played at a later time in the night so yeah it would right <laughs> and, then, and then i just that always stuck with me because i'm like lady you, you, i'm buying this already you don't have to try and trick me into like i don't you know tell me ah. more about the sword fights then then you got me I was actually always under the impression that the uh, the European versions of the of the show actually had some uh, extended scenes. Where My pal Charlie some, claimed he went to a video store and he saw a lot of explicit content in whatever he uh, rented. So, I mean, there very well could be various. I mean, I know they did that with Battlestar Galactica. So, I mean, it is what it is. Whatever you got to do to sell movies overseas, it happens. But it is kind of odd how... The 90s were an interesting time where people were kind of caring less about what the movie was rated. You know, it's like, yeah. All of the Connor things, like I remember, you know, any of the Connor movies, like, up oh, here we go with the cliche, got to show them going at it in bed. They're, and like, really, they don't hold back. I'm like, you're, you're, you're three quarters through this movie. You don't need to do this to people. We're in. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't add anything to the plot whatsoever. No. Oh, no, you're just like, I hope that, oh, that girl's pretty. I guess I'm going to see her boobs later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of wild how, you know, these guys decapitate each other and you can't show that on network TV. Yeah. But it actually makes it more suspenseful. Is like, because sometimes it happens by accident or you don't see Connor ambushing right away. You know, he's the guy's fighting some other, you know, immortal that he's interfering with. And it's like, it, it always comes in at the last minute or, you know, they would, sometimes be invented invented with the finales and you would always have the actors that got kind of a holy crap you know look on their face they didn't expect to win the duel so it was interesting and kind of just showing the competition and how although like like you say early seasons they do to kind of those quickenings seem to go on almost for eternity oh yeah like, okay i get it he's electrocuted and everything think, around uh, is exploding uh mountain men I think when oh, he's up yeah. in the up in the woods and he he takes sure? kills Mark Singer, the Beastmaster uh, of all people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember that that quickening goes for a long time. Yeah. Remember that? I'm gonna oh get, yeah. I'm gonna your woman, like, oh, dude, what yep. the boy? Really? This that is deliverance cool. territory. Let's not go there. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. But yeah, oh, I, you know what? That was actually one of the better ones from season from the first one, season. Yeah. Right, it's because, very suspenseful because yeah. he's basically having to get his hands literally dirty. You know, he doesn't yeah. have his sword with him, and he's having to get thrown off the cliff. And remember, they show yeah. him actually like healing, you know, mending himself back together. I'm like, oh, that's fun. Okay. It's a good episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's going to be mountain hiking, but it's going to be a long, long haul. <laughs> And uh, that fall was fun. That lasted, that, that was a five-hour recovery. <laughs> it did not well, show you, but they imply. <laughs> well, I don't know about you guys, but uh, for me, I, you know, I was showing my wife Highlander 
before our kids were born. And then for years, like uh, she, wherever we left off, let's say season three, I'd already watched it a hundred times. So now, <laughs> now the kids come along and last year we picked up from season three all the way through and then watched Endgame. And, you know, I, I'd shown them uh, the first movie other than the kissy kissy scenes. But when we got to Endgame, like everything mattered. Like when you find out, again, spoilers for people, Richie's immortal, whoa. Or holy crap, Duncan killed Richie by accident. Yeah, that, he was under a that, spell. Yeah. The hero committed yeah. a villainous. The devil, the devil was a demon was tricking him, basically. Yeah, right. And and he, that scene is still like when Richie falls, the the headless body falls to his knees and then falls over, and Duncan's just standing there watching it happen. I still get a lump in my throat, and to watch the family go, wait a minute, did he didn't? Did he just? <laughs> and you know. To this day, if we watch that, it still affects them the same way. Same thing as with Endgame. We're oh, and it makes sense. I thought it was brilliant the way that Connor had to trick Duncan, who, by the way, Duncan is clearly the better fighter. Uh, even though they tried in to all make fairness, Christopher Lambert was blind in real life, so <laughs> right, right, right. But I mean, as the character goes, he never had any flair. He never, you know, he was the basic. Uh, like I said, before. he was kind of a lesser Dolph Lundgren type, where he just kind yeah. of seemed to. It, he's perfectly acceptable in his period pieces and actual character dramas, but yeah, in action movies, he kind of just seemed to always be bored half the time or well, just I get mean, junky one-liners. About the character's sword fighting ability, like Duncan. Oh, okay. Well. Duncan spinning the sword upside down and can do all this martial arts stuff. Where I don't think Connor was a martial artist at all. No. So now I, I thought it was brilliant to have Connor trick Duncan and force him to fight because he knew neither of them could win against the bad guy, Jacob Kell. I can hear it in my head. And uh, and Bruce Payne was such a great villain. Yeah. A I mean, perfect villain. Passenger Fifty Seven. He did this werewolf movie with uh, Mario Van Peebles from Part Three. That was fun. Yep. A full eclipse. But yeah, it's like so. All when these guys are. This, when they do this, this fight, you go, "Oh crap! Okay, Duncan's clearly going to win." But Duncan is in a position to win three times in that fight, and he goes, "No, I'm not fighting you." Drops the sword. He makes him fight him again. He pushes him away and goes, Connor, cut the crap. I, seriously. And right. <laughs> he, has to, he has to force Duncan's hand to either you kill me or I'm going to have to kill you and I don't want to do that. It's beautiful. And it's shocking and it's emotional. And that scene where he goes, I love you. I love you, Connor. And they're like nodding at each other. Tears in my eyes, lump in my throat every time I watch it. And it it says a lot because I mean, you know, it's a B movie premise, and they're you know they're trying to give A list performances and give it all it's got, and that's just it. You need actors who are cool with this kind of fantasy material. They're they're very good at adapting to this, you know, hard to describe kind of scenario and just be in the moment. And it it really is interesting how, like you say, it has been able to be emotional to certain. Uh, genre fans you know it wasn't just the you know sword play and you know 
popular kid in school. It wasn't even trying to be necessarily, you know, the number one show on TV. It was trying to be a really fun uh, original idea. And it's tragic too. Like Duncan is like, oh crap, I have to chop my best friend's head off. Totally. Um, and and when it's on TV, I'll you know, obviously I still watch it every time, but the family will stop what they're doing too and going, is this the big fight? I'm like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, we'll stop it, what we're doing and take a beat to just. And it's available it everywhere on just about every streaming platform. It was on Prime for a while. It's still on Tubi and Plex. It's on the recently launched Peacock. So, you know, it's like it. But yeah, I'm surprised Heroes and Icons TV hasn't aired it. But occasionally, yeah, you know, you'll see some channel re-airing some reruns. And like you say, it is fun to kind of see which season it is, what uh, intense episode it is that has this plot twist. And, mm-hmm. uh, well, I have my favorites from the series, but yeah, definitely. And like you uh, said, totally. they're smart enough to not have just the villain of the week. Sometimes the villain got away. Like yeah. if they yeah. St. Cloud came back yeah. like two times. The, the recurring storylines really paid off. I mean, again, we talk, we can talk endlessly about Queen's soundtrack, oh, which yeah. wasn't even available yeah, for the not. longest time until popular demand. But, uh, and, but yeah, I mean, I, I love Roger Daltrey on this, you know, from the, Who. Oh yeah. Yes. Fitzcarran's one of my favorite, like and he doesn't get talked about characters. enough, but I, yeah. I read that he was like at their final convention in like 98 when the series round and he performed for fans. I'm like, that's nice. gotta be awesome. That's gotta be. They even right. said that that was their, their biggest regret was the fact that they killed him so soon. Yeah. Right. And they had they to probably back. didn't realize how long, you know, how much longer they were going to go. Cause it was partway through season three, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like Babylon five, they, they had message boards. So they, they, they got yeah. instant feedback. This was before Twitter and, you know, people send in fan mail and, you know, <laughs> I had this thought, uh, this morning, just thinking about the creation of Highlander and just the the mythology and everything, I have to wonder if it started out as um, Gregory Wyden wanting to do like a vampire show, but didn't want to do the you know the blood sucking you know sucking on on people's necks Certainly and, after and, forever and night, replace but replace <laughs> that with you know uh, lightning powers and sword fights yeah. you know I because the show it really just kind of feels like I mean, when you he even fights I, that I, one guy immortal yeah. who thinks he's a vampire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think a lot of like Im- when you say immortal, I think a lot of people lump that in with vampire mythology, and it's interesting that this is kind of the I, I think the gold standard in immortal mythology. Um, and it's interesting how closely it kind of ties in with with you know the vampire genre i guess oh totally originally it was supposed to be a one and done movie he did it as he didn't think of it as a sequel or a series or anything it was just a here here's my idea one big fight because that's really if if you didn't know anything else he only if there was only just the one movie you'd go all right that was a one story that's the only story you could tell you know okay it was the final two got it and that was kind of his thing and then next thing you know, people want more. And you go, oh. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a good idea. Yeah. But no, no, th- this is so cool that you guys are bringing that up. Because, I mean, there's so many other cult franchises like Evil Dead. Those were guys who, you know, were 
goofing around in their backyard, getting injured and making their own practical effects. Phantasm, same kind of thing. Someone had watched a bunch of Twilight Zone and decided, hey, I'm going to do my own thing where there's these evil aliens in body snatcher form. And uh, it's cool that you mentioned that there. Yeah, because I mean, you see a lot. I think this really also just it inspired Canadian sci-fi shows in general too. You know, like there's the 4400. Uh, did any of you either see First Wave? No. The same no. kind of premise. It was kind of just always these guys who just knew that there were kind of these aliens in human form who were stalking them every night of the week. And so I think, yeah, this and X-Files were definitely just kind of the go-to for and just, hey, you can have an unusual premise, you can, ha but just make good use of your gimmick. You know, just surprise us, you know? And to, and to what you said, uh, it, it is the franchise where not necessarily through their fault, but somebody mucking up the works as far as like the bad movies, um, what two and and the source, uh, uh, the and a lot of times people drop the ball because they don't have a mythology to work within, but with Highlander you do, and so it's frustrating for us as fans to go. Guys, it's right there. This is clear. You can't do this, but you can go this way. You can do this. You know, you have a boundary to work within. Stop mucking it up. Don't go into the future. And I think that is, that makes, if you want to say the bad side of the franchise, so frustrating to us. Yeah. There's, oh, there's 100%. There should on. not be a bad side to this. Like Sean Connery didn't want to do the second movie, but he came back because it was a paycheck. But uh, no, no, I, no. You know, you know why he did it? Because liked, uh, Christopher Lambert wanted a minute and called him up and said, "Look, it, we're doing this. It, it's in the future. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But if you come on and do this with me, we'll get to hang out and have. Okay, yeah, all right, I'm there. Well, there was that too. But I mean, yeah. uh, more or less, that says a lot though, because like. He does his scene. It's great to see him back as the character. It's just frustrating because, like you say, it's like he they're going around, you know, taking out all these giant armored soldiers. And, you know, I love Virginia Madsen. Yeah, I totally pulled a MacGyver and, you know, Qui Gon Jinn and Obi Wan just going around fighting these unstoppable forces. But it's just frustrating because, you know, it doesn't make sense why he's come back in this timeline. And there was apparently like a rejected script that would connect it to the Kurgan, like Katana, played by Michael Ironside from ER and Starship Troopers. You know, he was somehow connected to him, like he was like his brother or something. I'm like, that would have made way better sense. Why didn't you incorporate it, you know, more of this backstory to the first movie? Is this I could have, but I, I actually got an alternate take on all that. All and right. oddly enough, for me, this aligns all the movies in the series in perfect continuity, as long as you ignore the source. Yeah, well, no, that, that makes sense, because the source is like, it feels like a fan film that was made by someone who didn't understand the mythology, you know? It looks like a <laughs> fan film. a good film description part. of that one. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but anyway, how, uh, for me, uh, and I didn't really come up with this uh, a particular idea till uh, Endgame, or, uh, or really didn't finalize this idea here, but uh, basically what uh, I came up with is uh first Highlander movie happened as it did only well uh, other than the fact that he wasn't that uh connor wasn't the only immortal after it was all said and done so you got to ignore that part of it uh which the series kind of fills that in later uh 
and then uh, uh, basically Highlander 2, uh, it happened, but yet it didn't happen. Connor basically got tired of things, went into the sanctuary. Right, I heard this too. And, and Highlander 2 is basically a dream sequence that happened to him. I've heard about that, and I've wondered. It's a fever dream, yeah. Now, I saw some trivia claiming that there's shots from this somewhere in the show. I just binged this whole show. We're, we're like some, there's apparently some B roll of part two that makes its way into episodes. Are fans just remembering wrong? No, 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 no. What they're referring to is during the credits when they show yeah. the glass shatter. That's from the second movie. That's oh, yeah. okay. Shit. Well, so there you go. And I was like, <laughs> it looked like it was from a different movie or earlier footage. And I'm like, I don't recall that being any of the movie. I think even the first season used clips of, of, some of the the Highland stuff, the Scotland uh, kind of stuff, the flashbacks from, like the, yeah, the airplane yeah, shots. Did. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. It's like, well, that makes sense. They were just starting out. They didn't think it would be on TV as long as it was. So and then, like the uh, the the third movie, the way that one fits in is, I actually think that one takes place before Connor fights the Kurgan. Mm. Yeah, something like that. And I mean. I love how they even connect a bunch of other things. Like I love how Mythos later on says that he was familiar with Ramirez and it makes sense. He's oh, 900 sure. years old, you know? <laughs> that would have been interesting to see them together. It would have been great to get Sean Connery. He's like, Hey, but, is, yeah, he was, do a wasn't he like a, uh, he's like over a thousand years old or something. Wasn't he? Mythos yeah. Was, yeah. Like 5,000. Oh, well, and, and he had killed 10,000 people. So yeah, he has definitely, I mean, that's the reason he's kind yeah, of, he's just like so, the oldest uh, living immortal or something. And, and he's like, so humorous because at this point he's just he kind of goes about life in a satirical kind of way he's like i shouldn't even be here you know i've done terrible things yeah. i've done good things i've done redemption and now you know i, I just don't want to be a part of this game but i don't want to die i want to live but yet again i don't everything when i get close to you know wonders why i can't get injured you know <laughs> and, they, and well, they die in front of me one of the things we're Duncan's a big hypocrite is when he finds out that that thousands of years ago Mythos was one of the four horsemen and had had Cassandra as a slave you know all of that and then Duncan's like oh I'm disgusted with you get away from me we're not friends anymore oh right back like less than a hundred years ago Duncan you did some pretty crappy things there's you know, during during your Scottish war days, you killed a family. So shut Every your war has war crimes, regardless of intent. So yeah, it is one of yeah. those where it's just like, uh, it, but it's also kind of the same thing. When, when Joe has something on his mind, you know, it's like, he's too proud of himself. He just can't say what is on his mind. And then, of course, they find out later on. He's like, you could have told me. That's like, yeah, but I was afraid. <laughs> well, <laughs> you guys, did you guys read the comics? I want yeah. to read the comics. Should I read the comics? Okay. I, I never I, did. I've read them all, and I can give you a decent summary. Um, depending on who's writing it, and depending on who was putting them out, it shows where they cared enough, and the writer knew the show, or the and the movies, and then you can see the writers who didn't give a rat's rear end. Um, because I'll give you the best story that I read, even though there's a mistake. It's a Connor Duncan team up because a lot of the comics were Connor because they're trying to give you more Connor. Like, you know, I don't know why, but sure. 
Um, but they do this one, two, I think it's three or four part story where it shows Connor and Duncan back when Tessa was alive. And he's, you know, Duncan has Amanda there, I think. No, no, it wasn't Amanda. It was Connor with his wife uh, from the first movie. And, oh, yeah, Roxanne Hart. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's Tessa and Duncan, and they're, like, you know, hanging out together. And one of their cat, which I wish we got more of in the series, don't you, having Connor show up more often. Because um, they refer to him a lot like, you just left. You just missed him. He was just in this scene. But you showed up five minutes after he went that way. Um, so with the comics, you get more of that. But Connor gets a dark quickening. So oh. it's Duncan, yeah. Oh. So it's Duncan trying to fight Connor without killing him and subduing him to get rid of the dark quickening. Which doesn't that sound wonderful? That's you guys very know? intriguing. I'm Do you sold. know what the problem with that whole thing is? The setup? No, no. It doesn't make sense because with the dark quickening from the series. Duncan didn't, doesn't only heard rumors about a dark quickening. It was Mythos who goes, "No, they're 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 real. Shut up." And and Duncan's like, "No, that's a myth. You can't take so many evil souls and become evil yourself." Even though Darius did the opposite. Darius right. in the first season had been a warlord, killed enough good guys that all of a sudden he became a monk. So well, there was some continuity. Yeah, Duncan's like. I guess it's possible. Well, if this takes place before Duncan's dark quickening, right? It, it wouldn't yeah. make sense because he, he, that means he already knew about it. But ignore that fact. The art's great. The story's fantastic other than that little... I'll just movie. assume he was being optimistic and foolhardy. <laughs> sure. And then there's the, the other stories are either meh or there's one other Duncan one where they make the mistake of going in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> no. And you just go, nope, I'm out already. About no. Because the moment you do the near future, you've already written anything that comes from this moment forward because it all has to lead to that. Otherwise, it conflicts. I and dared them to do a Star Wars type opening scroll once upon a time. The galaxy. Yeah, honestly. And before Earth was Earth that we know now. Yeah. In the town that will be known as C. <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness! Yeah, it, but you know, I'm still <laughs> all for. I'm still all for them doing a good ongoing series. The Stargate that I know, as you know, a lot about, uh, has had some great comic stories and some god awful comic stories. <laughs> well, if you decide to check with me because i'll steer you to, to the right ones uh because a lot of times i think what happens is the license goes to a comic book company and the people in charge of the franchise just go great and sign anything but the people the comic book company just gets you know so just like highlander <laughs> just yeah, basically yeah. hire someone who can do it cheap but who doesn't understand it and there's <laughs> nobody there to look over their shoulder and go no. And Stargate series, that one's so easy where you can easily write a story that doesn't even pay attention to a lot right. of the war. As long as you get the, the alien game. races right, I don't think anyone will complain and make it be funny. And, yet, and... On all of those, they didn't. That, uh, right oh. from the beginning, 
yeah, it was, who was it? They did like Universe and did they do one for like Atlantis or? Well, the, the more recent ones they did Universe, it, it was by the same writer who is excellent. I actually had him on my show, uh, my MacGyver podcast show. We were talking about it because he and his partner are so into it. They got the pacing of a scene right. They got the the voice of the characters right. And so they got to see more Stargate Universe. It picked up where the series left off. Oh, same nice. thing. Yeah. And same thing with Stargate Atlantis. Proper finale. <laughs> yeah. And it picked up right where Stargate Atlantis had ended in season five and got them back into space. And you went, yeah, this flows. Nothing seems rushed. They didn't cram anything into 22 pages. And that's something. You're having to appeal to two different demographics. You know, two oh, different yeah. And, and you have to do all the technobabble. And you got to speak like the characters, yeah. And they did it brilliant. But every other comic book that had Stargate attached to it, and I'm not being nitpicky, I'm sincerely reading this, trying to enjoy it. There was nothing Stargate there's one story where it's all about Daniel going to a different planet and being an archaeologist. You don't mention the Stargate, he doesn't sound like Daniel. It's like they're doing a poor man's Indiana Jones without the action. Uh, <laughs> and that says you a know, lot because that show always had some Indiana Jones moments, you know, where they go into archaeological dig. And <laughs> yeah, but you at least make it fun and interesting for the reader. I'm right. going, this could have been Joe Schmo goes to the desert for five issues. Why was this okay? You know, and I think, I think great franchises, if you get good writers and people who care, it can be incredible or could be. You know, the rest of it. Bonkers. <laughs> yeah. What oh, do you guys well, that's a shame. About, what do you guys think about this new, the, well, it's not a rumor. They're supposed to be making a new Highlander movie. Uh, I'll let you guys weigh in before I go with this. <laughs> uh, I just feel like there's a lot of people who love Highlander, but it, again, it's just kind of like Hellraiser. It's just cursed by people mistaking quantity for quality. I mean, they tried a Highlander video game in 08, and despite them releasing a trailer and having Peter Winkler come back to voice no. Methos, it, it it got canceled. Like, everyone hated the test footage. The, oh, there's a lot of games around that era that got canceled, though, too. Yeah, but, like, this was apparently as bad as the RoboCop game for the GameCube. Like, the AI was wonky, the controls. It, it, it was cursed like Duke Nukem. Like, no, oh. one, no one seems to know what they want in it. It just makes you wonder, was it office politics, people just complaining and just wanting to get it done versus make it good? It's just like- Sounds like it was one of those uh, contracted out, uh, sold somebody else, somebody else tried to yep. finish it. And Ran out of funding. Mess now, hey, good luck. But yeah, uh, so I'll let you guys weigh in on the movie and then we can rank the franchise. For us. Uh. All right, who goes first? Ah, uh, any meeny miny mo, Travis. <laughs> um, I had kind of forgot where we stood with uh, a a movie reboot, and and then I, I keep forgetting or, it until people remember. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I had forgotten that Ryan Reynolds was attached for a while. Really? And now, yeah, um, that was the first name I remember hearing uh, being being attached to it. You should do a parody of Highlander. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, I think it stands with Henry Cavill is the current kind of the you know the last person of note being cast for for uh, Highlander. I can see him in Highlander. 
Yeah, so, Stahelski is helming it from John Wick, so there you go. Yeah. It's, the problem with Henry Cavill is, like, I've already gotten two seasons of Witcher. Like, I kind of feel like I've had Henry Cavill's Highlander, you know. And my take on, on a reboot is I kind of just rather they didn't, you know. I think just leave it as it is because I don't know that you're going to – top it really i mean for me it's it's i really like the the first movie and i love the series and i don't i don't know i don't think at best it could probably be a dorky scorpion king type movie at worst that's it could the be thing like it, the yeah. jason momoa conan where you're just like okay good actor but yeah much of a story to work with here <laughs> and it's kind of the same way i feel about uh the often threatened uh you know, crow reboot, you know, with Jason or, Momoa. Or, or that whoever. time they trolled the internet, they're like, we're gonna remake Die Hard. <laughs> so I, I'd rather they just kind of leave <laughs> no remake Die Hard, please. <laughs> yeah. I love Die Hard. Don't do it. Uh so Mac, um, you know, yeah, you're again, you're you're genre buff and uh, I try to be I with anything that I, I feel I'm gonna have an opinion on, I really try to look at it from all sides. I try to take myself out of it, but then also look at it in a practical way. Um, I wish for the best. I am with Travis. Um, you, you've already reached, honest to God, I think we can all agree. The series was the perfect. It was perfect. It's better than the movies. It's, you know, it gave us more than what a two hour movie could do. Um, so once you've gotten a Duncan McLeod series, you go, okay, that was great. Unless they can recapture that, I don't see it succeeding. So first of all, rebooting things, I typically am not for unless it connects to the original material. You know what I mean? Like, like if you're going to do... one Jump Street. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, you know. If you're going to do... A random example. <laughs> well, most reboots are we can agree don't hit the mark. They're terrible. They hardly ever improve on what was before. And I'm afraid that and I've seen photos of, of what it could possibly be. And everybody goes, God, no. Um, I don't think the people who are going to make this reboot, it'd be one thing if one of the four of us did it, we understand things. We love the franchise. We understand the mythology. We know the things that can be done. We know the things that shouldn't be done. And we're going to worry about how we're sounding, how it looks, how, and, how and to make audience, it feel. And what has already happened and what, you know, you already have the blueprint for what worked and what didn't from the last 20, 30 years. I don't think this reboot, from my experience of past reboots, I don't think the people in charge will care enough to go, okay, wait, we have to have, connor be this way we have to have the kurgan be this way hey by the way we now know that he has a cousin duncan wouldn't it be great if he was in it like you know yeah and then get down to and even just with casting how do you recast adrian paul you can't you, you, on cavill is kind of a similar where he was noted for his looks versus his range also and... a big strong bulky guy adrian paul was not Adrian is much more slim, athletic, you know, uh, gymnast build. And what is the plot even going to entail? Is it going to literally tell us what we already know, or is it going to do a different take? It's going to do a poor man's version of the 86 movie. Yeah. You know, That's what then, I read, that they wanted to reboot that movie. 
right? They they want to jazz it up. It's got to be cutting edge. Yeah. We gotta. It's got to be for the thousands. I like. I like Chad, but let's be honest, he's kind of more of a style over substance guy. You know, John Wick is more Sin City taken, and I don't think that's what this style necessarily needs, you know, for this. And I don't think it'll have the mystique that the mystery, is, yeah. That is uniquely Highlander. Like, you know, with them walking around as normal. That's the thing I want, I was dying to say to you guys. The th one of the major things from the movie right away into the series is it's not about him proving that he's immortal all the time. It's it's an immortal trying to live an everyday life. So it's the quiet scenes that mean the most because you go, oh. Even the montages where he drives around listening to Miami Vice type music. You know, he's literally choosing if he wants to be a Samaritan or sometimes he's even searching for missing people. That's just fun. That's really yeah. intriguing. Flashback sequences were often fun too. Yeah, 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 the flashbacks, yeah. Is, yeah right? so, with, with him in the dojo teaching Richie and dumping him on his rear end or out in the woods with a sword. That's the moments that are, which by the way, were real that they filmed. It was really Adrian Paul teaching Stan Kirch how to sword fight. And nice. Yeah. And yeah, I just watched that the the first episode after Richie comes back and he's he's teaching Richie, how to use a sword because he's he's pissed off the wrong immortal and he's going to have to fight, fight fight her eye for an eye. Yeah, yeah, and that's so and, true. Uh, I mean, can, you can tell that it's it's Adrian Paul showing Stan how to move with the sword. It's not you know Duncan. Yeah. So I don't see them doing this in the movie. To again, I, ha I haven't seen it. They haven't made it. I'm just gonna say it for the record. Now I hope I'm wrong. I don't think they can capture that. Well, and this has a lot working against it. Let's say we take away the geekdom, what we like about it. You know, these movies were critically appalled, you know, cult hit with an audience, never made any money. You know, it just worked better on the small screen, like you say. And again, you know, if we were, even if we were to be open-minded and take away the, you know, our connection to this, it's just so hard to be excited for it because it just... It just feels like it's a typical kind of thing where a studio missile hand, handle it or it'll be just mindless action and not much fun. You know, it's like, okay, if you guys I, want I that. Hope I hope we're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But I, because I... I mean, there's so many other interesting characters too. Because I mean, you mentioned Tessa, there's Charlie. It's so tragic when he gets killed. I, I love, I, I love the one. Uh, Highlander who's play who becomes a baseball player who sure. escaped from Louisiana slave time. There's so many interesting one-off pieces, and I mean, the only recurring role that didn't work for me was probably the the kid immortal. I like the second part, but I didn't oh. like the first part because it just had so much dead space in between getting to the you know because it, it ends so anticlimactic and it's like then they decide oh, let's yeah. let's revisit that let's fix that <laughs> let's i like the concept action. but I, I didn't like the execution yeah I, I didn't have an issue with the kid it was just more just okay so why is he going around killing people oh he just gets away there's no closure right. well what about mikey remember the episode with mikey the immortal who has uh mental problems yeah that I, that and one always great. stuck with me that was yeah. so sad yeah oh my god yep uh, like, I don't, I, you can't what are we supposed to do watch him the rest of our immortal days all like, he knows how to do is die yeah yeah 
So that's something. I mean, that's a great uh, 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 promise or promise premise for an episode. That's the thing yeah. that separates this from other shows. Yeah. Okay. Very easy pickings. What do you do? Do you protect him the rest of his life, or you know? Oh, totally. Think, think about the puppies. Look over there. Yeah. You're right. And th- I call that the uh, Mice and Men episode. Yeah, yeah. look at bunnies, George. Yeah. Yep. And uh, no, that's a good mention. Uh, a fun fact, if you go to Tubi, you can actually find the a season finale that they filmed that was like a 2008 DVD. Hmm. So basically, it leaves a lot to be desired. It's basically just final fanfare where Methos, Amanda, and Joe meet up in a shack, and then oh, I read about oh, I this. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fun. It's fun. Uh, it's, it's supposed to be a few years after the last episode. Yeah, it, it was interesting. It's like it's like I'm okay with that ending. It's it's barely a short film, but it is a final kind of extra scene, kind of you know. And, and Methos was going to get married. Yeah, yeah. That, I just saw that recently too. I was like, oh, this was worth the time. Okay. Oh, totally. I even to prep for this, I I had to squeeze in not only rewatching stuff I'd seen, hadn't seen, and hadn't seen in a while uh, with uh, the Raven spinoff show. Uh, Now that one gets shat on upon a bunch because it's a totally different animal. It's like they decided let's have it be kind of oh, what's the one with Robert Wagner? Yeah, Catwoman. Uh, uh, what's the one? Yeah, it was kind of like that. You know, Lethal Weapon kind of show and. Really, what does it for me is just the plot twist in the finale, where the cop is actually the. Yeah, yeah that's the best. That's the best huh. episode out of the whole thing because he walks away ticked. He's like, "Wait a minute, you knew this whole time I was going to be, a, I could be immortal." Uh huh. That's why I, I shot you. She's you, tricky that way. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "You a hole," and like tells her off and leaves. I'm like, "That's a great finale. That's great." Uh, don't late. It even it was fun even seeing them reuse some of the same actors like the actor who plays charlie shows up as a crook in one uh but it, it, get, it did get kind of repetitive because like some of the other supporting characters really weren't all that interesting is like they need a little more backstory instead of just being someone who amanda or the cop is going to slap around <laughs> yeah and also they did they they did the mis- they made the mistake of not doing enough action i remember watching this going well it's highlander related so i'm going to watch it and going uh-huh uh-huh i don't think you're cute okay keep keep the story going oh here's a sword fight she has okay. a few fun one-liners there was one but yeah there was a few others that were cringy is like okay i feel like we're going to baywatch territory i don't need to go there <laughs> and, and people people said you know because you know the the sixth season was only a half season and right a, 13 episodes a good chunk of that was trying to create spin-offs with the, yeah. here's a new, here's a new female no you don't like her here's a new female no you don't like her okay well, they, Amanda, claudia yeah. christian was in one and each time yeah. you're waiting is joe or duncan gonna show up nope they're not even in the episode but it's like well i would have totally dug claudia christian she's a has enough range as an actress but yeah it's just like she didn't want to do sci-fi at that point <laughs> but but everybody to this day goes why the heck did you not do a Joe and Mythos show. They people love them. Let's have me even if it, as close know, as they get as Joe shows up in one two parter of 
Raven, and I'm like, damn it, he should have been, he should have at least been second build. He should have been on the show. And during that sixth season, they actually do do an episode where it is a team up with Mythos and Joe. That was so much fun, too. He's with the yeah. illegitimate child he had, and he's having to save her, and the villain is really fun because he's not a typical immortal. He's more playful with his taunting of him. He's like, you guys. Peter Field thought for sure. He's like, well, obviously, Mythos is a great character. Uh, clearly, they're, they, if, if they're ending this, they're going to do a show on Mythos, and then they didn't, and they went with the Raven. Uh, right, and Methos is afraid, you know? He doesn't come off as it, but he doesn't want to meet his maker ever, you know? And the coward when he needs to be, and you go, and, yeah. and the source, that's where it also betrayed. It's like, yeah, they just slaughtered literally half the cast. Yeah. I think Joe dies, but yeah, Mythos mm -hmm. gets stabbed by one of the cannibals. I'm like, I thought he's he an immortal. Away. Yeah, it's just like, and, and it's such a shame because I know the original guy who like wrote the original draft before it got taken over was just like, yeah, no, I respected the material. I swear, I hate how they put my name <laughs> on this. this. Was not me. Yeah, it's a bad dream, and I, I think it helped though that. That same year, they came out with an anime. Yeah. And they had the actor who played Joe playing like two different characters, including a bartender who had one leg, which was similar to the actor's condition. And I was like, man, you know, they could have gone a ways with that because that was basically a fun, decent retelling of the original and just opening up the universe again. And so, like you guys say, is like the fandom is bigger than the actual franchise to where it's just like. Did it, you know? Adrian Paul this past week or so was asked, would you come back as Adrian or as, as Duncan McLeod? I'm sure. That's and he, goes, he goes, yeah. I mean, it would depend on what the project was, but uh, Duncan McLeod is me. It's been the biggest thing I've ever done. Yeah. I'm, I'm not an idiot. I would come back. So that's yeah. cool. And I've interviewed people who worked with them before, like uh, B movie actors and other things. They did this vampire movie together. Just like Adrian. It went, when he's not in character, he's telling jokes. He's making sure everyone's happy. They want to be here. So, Did I tell you a story about um, Don S. Davis who told me a story of, because he was on a second season episode. Yeah, he plays a mob boss in one yeah. episode. Well, he uh, doing the episode with Adrian Paul and Highlander, and some guy in Vancouver stole a woman's purse right in front of them. Like, was really? Yeah, Adrian Paul ran after the guy, tackles him, pins him to the ground, and sits on him until the cops show up. Don Man. Davis was like, that guy, he said, you know, very much like Richard Dean Anderson, what you see on TV is who these people are. I'm like, good to know. <laughs> and this is the blurring line between reality and it's like, yep, reality is what you see on screen. <laughs> He's a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I know I know they seem to have had that a lot like there was a bunch of crazy stunts that were mishaps on part two and it's like well what a terrible movie to end your life on you know and part three there was like a ransom for the stars like there were some extras who were threatening to like kidnap Christopher Lambert and Mario Van Peebles it's like so whoever was hiring all these extras or allowing people on the set should have been you know told hey up security you know on this closed off oh, set we don't have a budget for security. We just got the low. Yeah, we money. just have Adrian Paul to beat up people. <laughs> <laughs>
hopefully Richie can trip someone. <laughs> uh, Charlie's he seems pretty built. He can he can guard the door and look intimidating. So, uh, this has been so cool discussing this with you guys. So I'm gonna let let you guys do a quick rank. <laughs> Paul, you want to go first? <laughs> so quiet. Oh, just five star a... scale. Just like just uh, from scale best of to what? worst. Uh, I, I just five, five stars and uh, far uh, as a series and uh, everything goes uh, there. It's been uh, one of my favorites, probably. Uh, well, my weird rating system. I'd actually, it's probably uh, rated number three and uh, or three or four and in, in my overall thing. Uh, that's and, that's where I put it. And I guess the rest are pretty bad scores. <laughs> well, uh, uh, as, as far as uh, just from best to worst, like you're. Uh, it, it, uh, as, as far as the series goes, at a scale from one to ten, I'd, I'd rate it as a. Uh, it's a five star. Eight. <laughs> but so, uh, but in, in so my ranking of uh, my it's 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 definitely in my top uh, three or four uh, franchises of all time. Okay, that's pretty high praise. Uh, so, Mac, uh, how would you rank these, you know, out of five stars? Out of five, well, see, the, here's the problem with the franchise. It's so, obviously, like you just said, the series itself, beautiful. There's only been a couple nitpicks of, you know, episodes of Duncan's not in them. Well, that's going to make it suffer, like, because you don't know who these girls are, and that's, you get a half of a, a season during season six just to wrap stuff up. Uh, but other than that, I adore, adore. It's part of my my pop culture fiber is Highlander. Uh, but then you For get sure. into the movies and then you, okay, so everybody likes the first one. It's kind of sets the blueprint. I love Endgame. Uh, we talked about the two god-awful ones that are in the future <laughs> or the near future. Um, and then the third one the third one is basically almost shot for shot other than wizards a remake of the first one he, they even have the bad guy kane driving a car torturing somebody who has to be in the car while he drives like a madman well that it feels like an exploitation <laughs> right so you know other than uh, it, you you have to look at it in segments if you want me to give it an overall it's four out of five, and the only reason is because of those god-awful movies that it wouldn't be a five. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but if you're going to go with the series, the series is as perfect as you're ever going to get the uh, the whole franchise. So Totally. You know, right? Yeah, essentially it. Uh, so, Travis, take it away. <laughs> yeah, I think Mac nailed it there, you know. <laughs> as a whole, yeah, it's probably a four. Um, but, yeah, that – the series I put up there with shows that to me are nearly perfect, like Battlestar Galactica and Lost. You know, I, I I do have a problem with rewatching Highlander. I seem to always stall out around season two or three. You know it I too just, well. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, I'm with that with certain shows where I'm like, I've seen this too many times. I don't want to see my favorite character die or I don't want to <laughs> yeah. see the suspenseful thing or I want to cut away from the annoying character to the scenes of the character I like. Yeah. But right. I typically jump around and watch my favorites now because mm -hmm. I, like you said, 
you know them so darn well that, all right, if I don't feel like watching Bad Day in Building A, well, I'm not going to. But I am going to watch. I know this episode has a great yeah. you know, sword fight. So that's how I go. I think that's where I'm at now because in prepping for this, I watched a handful of episodes and just kind of jumped around. I looked online for – you know, what are the top 10 best episodes? And I, you know, wanted to watch those and I <laughs> found a list of, you know, it was like 14 of the best episodes. It's a weird 14, number. But, that's, that's pretty, yeah. That's you know, a particular number. <laughs> yeah. So I watched those and, and it's like, I never need to go back to season one and watch the sea witch, you know, I'll never yep. watch that episode again, but yeah, I'll watch, you know, eye for an eye or, or I mean, darkness, you know, that's, that's a great episode, you know, um good but yeah okay i so yeah I'm, I'm with you guys i'm gonna rank the original movie and the show a four out of five i think again the 80s movie you know even let's be honest even russell malka he didn't realize what how creative a premise he was trying to have fathom to life you know it's just a fun engaging adventure uh, that was a lot of heart and again, I do think the show is one of the best sci-fi fantasy shows out there because it, it, you saw, again, a lot of evolution in its myth that it was creating. And again, great cast, great fights, great scenery, great atmosphere, great style and look. And even if there's an episode that's weak, I, I really don't even regret it. There's only like a few episodes I even, after going for this, that I will always just skip that are in season three. And they're only like free that I just can't stand. But yeah, the rest that are weak, I still find it's kind of like Star Trek and Twilight Zone. I find a cool idea that I just love, even though it didn't have the, even though it had maybe a stilted guest star or some hammy just reveals. But yeah, and then you get to in game, the anime, and even the Raven, those are free out of five for me. It's like, even though there's a lot of over editing and overdone music and everything, uh, that's pretty much as much fun as I need to do in terms of expanding the storyline and seeing what happens next. Uh, two out of five for definitely the cartoon show, which we didn't even talk about, but it's even more muddled than the, uh, I, to me, I always describe the cartoon show as this. It, it made... looks almost like the Mortal Kombat cartoon show that was almost on at the same time. And I find it so funny because Christopher Lambert was also in the first Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah, I was like the... the... Telling? Is there a connection here between both universes? <laughs> Is Raiden a Highlander? for Highlander, but uh, I, I thought it would have been a perfect Final Fantasy cartoon. That's an interesting way. Now, so there you go. They should work in Highlander into Final Fantasy. That makes sense. I always put the the Highlander cartoon see you know show up there with uh like Defenders of the Earth. Like it had that go. same kind of quality. Cats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, then, I'll tell you this, and, and this is kind of if you look at the generation, I think you guys can agree we are pretty much in the golden age of great pop culture shows and movies marvel has everything right we're getting tv shows of hawkeye and you know scarlet witch and like what if we got a what if series we are so blessed to have our heart's desire on so many pop culture shows and it dawned on me do you know why that is uh i'll tell you this amazing uh, show. <laughs> it's because the people who are making these shows 
our our age. Yeah. These are the people that 20 years ago knew what could be done, but the but the special effects weren't there. They weren't the people in power. Well, now the people in power are you and I. In charge of programming, they're, they're, yeah. They're in charge of programming. <laughs> they're in charge of um like look at the Star Wars show. Uh what's his name? Who's in charge of all of those? Um Hello. John Favreau. Thank or, you, yeah. John Favreau. Thank God for him. He is giving us the Star Wars that we should have had for the last 30 years because there's another franchise, that and Ghostbusters, where they could have gone on easily with movies and TV shows and they just didn't. Well, now we're starting to get it because those people who knew that are the people in charge. So I'm hoping, even if this next reboot thing is a flop, someone will come along and put together what we want in a new Highlander anything, whether it be, you know, a new series or whatever, there's that possibility that, that this could happen in a good way. That, totally. That's my, that's my hope anyway. Uh, absolutely. Because I mean, this can be remembered in the best way possible instead of, you know, I see every once in a while people talk about Highlander. Oh, it's, it's cheesy fun. I'm like, well, maybe to you, but it is an overall kind of inspiring for a fantasy guy. If you read or have seen, watched yes. fantasy, it is, it's pretty much a cool template of what a fantasy show should look like. So I, I can see why people hold this heart dear to their heart. I see, And like you say, you just said final fantasy It's like, yeah, I definitely see a lot of video games, let alone gamers kind of react to this in a certain way. Cause it's like, it's kind of got what you want for adventure storytelling and, Mm-hmm. I meant to rate it. Uh, Highlander sure. 2, I'd still rate as a 2 out of 5 because it's just a flop and it's got ideas and it's everything the franchise shouldn't have been, but it's kind of what it almost went in the direction of. And then, of course, the source and uh, the sorcerer, I definitely give those both a 1 out of 5. Those are just terrible. But uh, yeah, let's hope this new movie, you know, it it's okay if anything and just gets people interested in Highlander again. But uh, I love how there's still conventions of this. Like they just released a Blu-ray trailer of the entire show. It looks gorgeous. They they have gone in and they, they have remastered it. They haven't just done a typical, you know, quick transfer. They, it looks so well remastered. You would sworn, you know, it always looked that way. You know, it's just, it's beautiful. It's funny because they weren't going to release that. Like last year, I saw the They like forced their hand. They sold it to VMI or something who's been buying all these obscure TV shows. And Yeah, because originally I saw the cover and I'm like, that's a great box cover. That alone I would buy a poster of. And then they went, yeah, it's not coming out on, on Blu-ray. It's too expensive. And now all of a sudden, like because of what you said, Okay, now it's coming I out. I think they forced their hand a bit. They showed it at conventions, and the positive reaction was there. And so it's like, uh, and I'm sure Peter Wingfield and Adrian Paul might have pressured them and said, hey, if I'm going to be at this panel, I don't want to have to disappoint a fanboy who's wondering when this is coming out. You know, just get this done. And let, let's hope that sell goes well. You know, obviously, you know, it'll be at the usual price, 50, 60 bucks. But I guarantee you, uh, uh, there's there's bound to be plenty of people who are already probably pre-ordering that. You know? <laughs> and they'll give you bonus stuff too. I think they did. I think they recorded commentary and select special features. So it's like, it's, I'm glad that VMI 
if I'm saying it correctly, is following Shout Factory in the whole let's let's revisit a popular TV show. Definitely. Well, thank you all so much for being on here. I'll I'll let you guys plug your shows. Uh, Travis, what do you got coming up? Uh, so I do a couple podcasts. Uh, one is uh, Real Comic Heroes, and we go through a big list one. of uh, comic book and other genre movies. We started with Superman and the Mole Men from 1951, oh, nice. and yes. and have been moving, you know, uh, till you know closer to the present day ever since. So as of this recording, we we just talked about. Uh, the crow city of angels and we did the phantom from 1996 so we're surprised we didn't talk about the crow because that's often bit that in the prophecy which was by the same writer's highlighter are often cited as big influences sorry go ahead (laughs) um so yeah you can find that show just real comic heroes real with two e's and then uh, i do a show a comic book podcast called marvel events timeline and we're going kind of in the similar fashion of starting at the beginning we're starting with uh we started with the um sorry marvel comics number one which introduces namor the submariner and uh, the human torch and because they are the first two characters who ever cross paths in a on the pages of a comic um you would have you know, you might have thought it was Superman and Batman, but they don't meet in the pages of a comic until like 1956. Right. So, <laughs> um, so you're you're going. So yeah, we, you're, you're matching up with the movie timelines versus the comic on in print. Yeah. So we're starting. We, we started there. We're just going to talk about big moments in uh, basically in the formation of of Marvel, and eventually we'll get to stuff like uh, you know the Infinity the Gauntlet. Shirt you know, event or stuff like that, but we're going to focus on events and, you know, the big, huge moments in the, the history of Marvel. So totally. it should be fun. Nice Frank Castle shirt there, by the way. Oh yeah. yeah. All right, Mac, what do you got cooking? Oh, buckle up. Um, <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> you might need some paper clips and a tilk at your side. Exactly. Um, to make it easier on everybody, I have a network to store all of this stuff called the Forever Adventure Network. And within it, there's um, music, but there's also, I do two podcasts. Um, the Never Gets Old podcast, which is about the pop culture, uh, things in our life that we that help shape us and form us and that we hold dear and never get old. And I get to have some great guests on through uh, comics and music and acting. So that's that. That's always fun. Um, I have the MacGyver podcast, which celebrates uh, the inspiration of Richard Dean Anderson and his iconic characters. Uh, So I get to have people on from MacGyver, uh, Stargate, you know, uh, sometimes we'll do an episode review, uh, tell stories from our life. You know, basically, my whole point of the whole network or anything that I do is to celebrate the good in life. So I have those. And then I just released the 14th episode of my audio series, <clears throat> uh, the MacGyver SG1 audio series. Fun crossover. Yep. Right? Well, because... I don't know about you guys, but when 
I watch a show, sometimes it'll jump out at me how easily it could slide into other shows. And speaking of Highlander, years ago, I read a great fanfic called Full Circle where MacGyver and a uh, Duncan McLeod knew each other from the 80s forward. And when this was written was during, well, Richie was still alive. So uh, it's, it's, it was the best fanfic I ever read. It captured the essence of both of all the characters. So my audio series is I write it, perform it, produce it, blah, 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 blah. blah. It's a lot of work. Um, you did good. You do good with the voices, though. I mean, that's thank you. Thank some you serious effort. So, um, but the basic idea is, MacGyver and Jack O'Neill find out that they're twin brothers that didn't know about each other, and so now they, both of their worlds have to combine. So you get to have them deal with each other's enemies, uh, each other's friends and family and also where they get along and where they may clash and have to find you know because jack o'neill is a common ground military <laughs> man, and he uses guns and when he has to team up with his brother macgyver is not too crazy about guns nope <laughs> only and to so knock people to out have, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good thank you and they get to have that sort of tension but at the same time they also love to go fishing and you know love the wilderness and hockey so i get to play around with all of those aspects of these characters and also i have to keep everything um what's the word it can't conflict with either show like it can't contradict what's already happened so it starts like say timeline it starts at the third season of sg1 all the way up to present day so depending on the story i'm telling it might start you know today or it might have you know this story made this chapter may be from 10 years ago but it's fun you ever need any additional voices or sound effects i can help you <laughs> yeah because honest to god it's a lot of work but the payoff is hopefully i have enough twists and turns that it keeps people on the edge of their seat and after 20 some minutes of listening there's a cliffhanger typically at the end that makes you go, oh, crap, I got to see what happens next. Well, I'll just give you an even bigger compliment because fan fiction is often frowned upon, and it's just good to see that you can be a voice of that. Just say, hey, the only thing people who understand it better than anyone else are fans. Right. And as we, long, I We'd mean, rather see someone do their take on it versus just endless sequels that have too many creatives who aren't familiar with the source material. Exactly. And first and foremost, it's not about me. It's about trying to get, give us more of what we love. Like I can't, you know, yeah, wouldn't it be great if, well, if it doesn't match with the characters or the story, you can't do it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, you guys ever watch Dead Zone? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I did an episode where Jack has to go talk to Johnny Smith mm -hmm. to see if he can find, you know, a connection to find MacGyver who little teaser is trapped off world somewhere and he has no idea how to get him. And even though he's a skeptic to like psychics, like I'm not going for that. What are you kidding me? He's so desperate that he follows this lead that leads him to Johnny Smith from the dead zone. And yep. 
and if ever there's a way to have him cross over, have that have my audio series have Duncan McLeod or anybody from that universe show up, if it makes sense for the story, I will do it. I just haven't found a. It hasn't led me there yet. I kind of. I'm just kind of at the. Um, there's so many shows that could have existed with one another had they been owned by the same parent company or just had similar writers and then at the same time you realize yeah fans should probably work on it together because the creators might not get along necessarily you know yeah just imagine though gold and immortals oh yeah right i'm telling you there's, there's so much promise if i go down that path it's not a one episode story. and that show did kind of have highlander vibes in all fairness so yeah, yeah i'm <laughs> Well, Mythos did show up on it, Peter. Weekly. Right, as the airplane pilot who doesn't believe his Jafar's or the, uh, the pure the warrior. Uh, it's so sad that, like, Babylon 5, a lot of these actors have passed away. Richie left us not long ago. Joe died about five years ago. And I, I always light up whenever I see, yeah, uh, Mythos actor on anything. He's been on every kind of show. 24, he's the Kill Squad captain in x-men 2 i'm like yeah this dude is a badass and i love how he's unpredictable you don't know if he'll be a good or a guy or a suave bad guy you you don't know he's that his element of surprise really pays off for him <laughs> and he had quit to actually be a doctor he quit acting to, to really yeah, he is a doctor but yeah for years <laughs> he just went all right i'm a doctor now and then recently i saw where he's like you know what i think i'm all also still gonna act so he needs to be the next star trek doctor then <laughs> <laughs> honestly we may see him again uh, hell man. that's what's going on with me if anybody wants to check out the forever adventure network uh, everyone please check it out all right <laughs> paul you have been no stranger to appearing on various podcasts what do you got cooking uh well uh well i don't I'm not actually. I don't actually have a podcast or anything, but right. uh, you've done some guesting. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I've I've been guest on a on a few. Uh, uh, this uh, I was honored to, to be on this one here. Uh, most, yeah, a long time uh, coming. We've been yeah, the, the, like the, most of the ones I've been on, they've all been uh, pretty much uh, uh, geek culture uh, uh, things like that. Uh, but uh, uh, but yeah, that's it's, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of shy, I guess. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I accept that I totally did. Um, so yeah, everyone, Highlander fans listening, keep supporting the works out there. Watch the other movies. Listen to the Blood of Kings podcast. Buy all buy all of Adrian Paul's movies. <laughs> <laughs> You want There's to see another a better called, uh, the Rewatchers is a Highlander. Movie. Oh, I will check that's that. A good out. title. That's a that's great a good name. name. Oh, that's Thanks. a nice name. You want to watch a better movie with Mario Van Peebles and Christopher Lambert? Check out Gunman. <laughs> that's a funny movie. Uh, yeah, thank you all for being on here. This was a perfect summary and just again positivity, which is what we look for in these kinds of podcasts or deals. So. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank you all for hopping aboard. And you. <laughs> uh, hopefully you don't have to engage in any swordplay later. I've got one. I've got one you know, too, close but... by. So. <laughs> we'll return after these messages. 
JURS podcast is proud to promote AutoCorrect, an independent film company with experienced industry professionals who can serve all your film industry needs. They include self-tapes, voice actor recordings, demo reel editing, script revisions, headshots, and much more. They're actor correct at your request. Book them on Instagram. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation. We have Italian horror. We have zombies. We have slashers. We have crime films. We have spaghetti westerns. We even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts... Lee Russell, Daniel Harper... Paul Romali and the odd guest host Cure What Ails You. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema Psyops is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. <laughs> no one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get out of it. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch one. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. Greetings, friends. My name is Dean Legero, and I'm the host of the 3324 Podcast. I invite you to join me and my lifelong friend Eric Kuber to come with us as we discuss the music and movies that shaped our life. Each week, we'll pick an album or film that we really connect to and not only give you some great info and trivia, but also discuss, debate, and celebrate what it means to us and the journey it took us on. We also look forward to hearing from you and giving us some of your picks for us to check out and discuss. I think it'll be a really fun experience, so come along with us for the ride. You can find us on your favorite podcast provider, and at 3324.buzzsprout.com. Thanks for your time, and welcome to the 3324 family. 
It's late, it's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love good movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies With a one last plot holes a gratuitous It's time to get busy with your friend Steven at eilfm.podbean.com We now continue with our program. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jack to-